0: Real news. Welcome everyone to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tory. Today is January 28th, 2020. It's Tuesday, and we have a rally coming up today. I mean, guys, I'm here 12 to 2 Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, and we break down news. All the time. The way it's supposed to be done, that's what I like to say. I mean, that's just me. It's kind of like, yep, I think this is the way it's supposed to be done. What? Through conversation, you know, taking things, picking things apart and revisiting history. Because the one thing people forget to do is look to the past. The past is what laid out the foundation for today. That's pretty much it. It's simple, common sense stuff. Right, guys? So now we have... Um, Lindsey Graham breaking right now. Uh, Fox finally put it on. Uh, they're giving a press conference for the impeachment trial. So I'm going to run straight into that because it's live. Take a listen.
1: That the Biden's connection to the Ukraine was inappropriate. There's a tsunami of evidence. So the House managers told the Senate this is baseless. It's been debunked. And I think the uh, defense team yesterday made a damning indictment of what Hunter... Uh, 100- They'd made a damning indictment of what uh, Hunter and Joe Biden allowed to happen. And it's not in American's interest to ever see this happen again in the Ukraine, where Hunter Biden basically turned it into an ATM machine. Uh, we're going to go to that, and there's media reports, people in your business have suggested that a DNC staffer met with Ukrainian officials about the 2016 election. I don't know if that's true or not, but if we're going to open this up to additional inquiry, we're going to go down the road. Was it legitimate for the president to believe there was corruption and conflicts of interest on the Biden's part in the Ukraine? We'll explore that. And whether or not there's any credibility to the idea that the DNC may have been working with Ukraine. Mr. Chairman then, so what is your vote going to be on that opening question of whether there should be a witness? I am. After? I am. I'll let you know Friday. But right now, I feel comfortable with the idea I have enough, and I'm just telling everybody who thinks you can surgically deal with this, it's not going to happen. I'll make a prediction. There'll be 51 Republican votes to call Hunter Biden, Joe, Joe Biden, the whistleblower, uh, and the DNC staffer at a very minimum.
2: Senator,
3: why why does this
4: manuscript have to, to be wrong?
1: You said at the beginning of this process that uh, if the aid to Ukraine was conditioned on an investigation of Biden, that
4: would be wrong.
1: No. Well, I've said basically what they've proved to me it would have been wrong for President Trump not to raise this issue. You have to be willfully blind and say that Democratic uh, misconduct doesn't matter to you not to believe that the president had a good reason to ask the Ukraine to look into the Biden affair. You had media reports right before the July 25th meeting. As much as I like Joe Biden, he needs to answer questions of why he allowed his son to continue to receive millions of dollars from Burisma when he should have known it was a conflict of interest. If a Republican had been in that same situation, you would be all over all of us wanting to Know why we're not calling these people as witnesses? So as much as I like uh, Joe Biden, he has to answer for his time as the leader of anti-corruption efforts in the Ukraine. Why would the, the manuscript happen yeah, in a classified setting? Yeah. Apparently, it's in a classified setting now. I'm just suggesting if it's in a classified setting now less look at it in that setting. This was Senator Lankford's idea, it makes perfect sense to me. I don't know if it's achievable, but that would be a solution to the problem. Be a Senator, one more quick question. ...choice by the White House, would that be to be
4: Senator's know, no, that's a question? that's why that question. Um, like, consumer's calling it absurd, like, they're all calling it absurd, like, why?
0: That just didn't want to stop. I wanted to get the hot mic in there for you guys where they were like, well, why are they calling it absurd about what is being said about the manuscript. That was really important because this is what the reporters are hawking on. And it's important for us to hear what they say on that. Now, I want you guys to listen to the first uh, you know, few minutes of the defense um, from yesterday um, because it's really important you listen to the opening here. Take a listen.
4: Journal of Proceedings of the trial are approved to date. Without objection, so ordered. The Sergeant-in-Arms will make the proclamation.
5: Hear ye, hear ye. All persons are commanded to keep silent on, on pain of imprisonment while the Senate of the United States is sitting for the trial of the Articles of Impeachment, exhibited by the House of Representatives, Donald John Trump, President of the
4: Mr. Chief Justice.
5: The Majority Leader is recognized.
4: As the chaplains indicated, on behalf of all of us, a happy birthday. I'm sure this is how you'd plan to celebrate the day. Well, thank you very much for those kind wishes. And thank you to all the senators for not asking for the yays and nays. <laughs> and for the information of all senators, we should expect a break every two or three hours, and then at 6 o'clock, a break for dinner. And with that, uh, Mr. Chief Justice, I yield the floor. Pursuant to the provisions of Senate Resolution 483, the counsel for the president have 22 hours and five minutes remaining to make the presentation of their case. The Senate will now hear you.
6: Mr. Sekulow. Thank you, Mr. Chief Justice. Members of the Senate, managers, what we've done on Saturday is the pattern that we're going to continue today as far as how we're going to deal with the case. We deal with transcript evidence. We deal with publicly available information. We do not deal with speculation allegations that are not based on evidentiary standards at all. We are going to highlight some of those very facts we talked about very quickly Uh, on Saturday. You're going to hear more about that. I want to give you a little bit of an overview of what we plan to do today in our presentation. You will hear from a number of lawyers. Each one of these lawyers will be addressing a particular aspect of the president's case. I will uh, introduce the issues that they're going to discuss and then that individual lawyer will come up and, and make their presentation. We want to do this on a expeditious but yet thorough basis. Let me start with just for a very brief few moments to take a look at where we were. One of the things that became very clear to us as we looked at the presentation from the House managers, was the lack of focus on that July 25th transcript. And that's because the transcript actually doesn't say what they would like it to say. Now, we've heard, and you will hear more, about that in the days ahead. We know about Mr. Schiff's version of the transcript. You heard it. You saw it. I want to keep coming back to facts, facts that are really undisputed. The president, in his conversation, was clear on a number of points. But so was President Zelensky. I I mentioned that at the close of my arguments earlier, that it was President Zelensky that said, no pressure. I didn't feel any pressure. And again, as this kind of reading of minds of what people were saying. I think we need to look at what they actually said and how it's backed up. It is our position as the president's counsel, that the president was at all time acting under his constitutional authority, under his legal authority, in our national interest, and pursuant to his oath of office. Asking a foreign leader to get to the bottom of issues of corruption is not a violation of an oath. It was interesting because there was a lot of discussion the other day about Lieutenant Colonel Vinman, and one of the things that we reiterate, is that he himself said there was, he did not know if there was anything of crime or anything of that nature. He had deep policy concerns. And I, I think that is what this is really about, is deep policy concerns, deep policy differences. But we live in a constitutional republic where you have deep policy concerns and deep differences. That should not be the basis of an impeachment. If the bar of impeachment has now reached that level, then for the sake of the republic, the danger that puts not just this body, but our entire constitutional framework in, is unmanageable. Are we going to have every time there's a policy difference of significance or an approach difference of significance about a policy, we're going to start an impeachment proceeding? But, you know, as I said earlier, I don't really think this was about Just a phone call. There was a pattern in practice of attempts over a three-year period to not only interfere with the president's capability to govern, which, by the way, they were completely unsuccessful at. Just look at the state of where we are as a country. But also interfere with our constitutional framework. I'm going to say this, because I want to be brief. We are going to have a series of lawyers address you. So it will not be one lawyer for hours and hours. We're going to have a series of lawyers address you on a variety of issues. This is how we envision the president's defense going. We thought it would be appropriate to start with an overview, if you will, of some of the significant historical issues and constitutional issues involving impeachment proceedings. Since we don't have a long history of that, and I think that's good for the country that we don't. And I think we would all agree. But if this becomes the new standard, the future is going to look a lot different. So we're going to hear next from my co-counsel, Judge Kenneth Starr. Judge Starr is a former judge for the U.S. Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia. He served as the 39th Solicitor General of the United States, arguing cases before the Supreme Court of the United States on behalf of the United States. I had the privilege of arguing a case alongside Judge Starr, we were talking about it earlier, many years ago. He also served as the independent counsel during the Clinton presidency and authored the Starr Report. He testified for almost 12 hours before the Judiciary Committee with regard to that report. Judge Starr is very familiar with this process. He is going to address a series of deficiencies, there's legal issues, with regard to Articles 1 and 2. Constitutional implications, historical implications, and legal implications of where this case uh, now stands. So I would like to yield my time right now to, if it would please, Chief Justice, Ken Starr. Mr. Starr.
7: Thank you, Mr. Chief Justice, House Managers, and staff, members of the Senate, the majority leader, and the minority leader. At the beginning of these uh, proceedings on January 16, the Chief Justice administered the oath of office to the members of this body, and then again on Tuesday. In doing so, the Chief Justice was honoring the words of our Constitution, Article I, Section Three. We all know the first sentence of that article by heart. The Senate shall have the sole power to try all impeachments. But then the constitutional text goes on to say this. When sitting for that purpose, they shall be on earth oath or affirmation. That oath or affirmation. In turn, requires each member of the Senate to do impartial justice. Now, this constitutionally administered oath or affirmation has been given in every proceeding in this body since 1798. Indeed, to signify the importance of the occasion, the Senate's more recent traditions call for you, as you did, to sign the book. And that book is not simply part of the record. It's entrusted to the National Archives. In contrast, members of the House of Representatives do not take an oath in connection with impeachment. The framers of our Constitution well knew when an oath or affirmation should be required. The Senate, yes. The House, no. And thus, each member of the world's greatest deliberative body now has special, indeed, unique duties and obligations. Duties imposed under our founding document. During the Clinton impeachment trial 21 years ago in this chamber, the Chief Justice of the United States ruled in response to an objection that was interposed by Senator Tom Harkin of Iowa. The senators are not sitting as jurors, Senator Harkin noted. And the Chief Justice agreed with that proposition. Rather, the Senate is a court In fact, history teaches us that for literally decades, this body was referred to in this context as the High Court of Impeachment. So we're not in a legislative chamber during these proceedings. We're in a tribunal. We're in court. In Federalist 78, Alexander Hamilton, who's been quoted frequently in these proceedings. But in Federalist 78, he was describing the role of courts. Your role. And in doing so, he distinguished between what he called the exercise of judgment, on the one hand, which is what courts do, and the exercise of will, or policy preferences, if you will. On the other hand, that's what legislative bodies do. According to Hamilton courts were to be, in his word, impartial. There's that word again. And you know, that's a daunting task for judges struggling to do the right thing to be impartial, equal justice under law. It's certainly hard in life to be impartial. In politics, it's not even asked of one to be impartial. But that's the task that the Constitution chose to impose upon each of of you. And significantly, in this particular juncture in America's history, the Senate is being called to sit as the high court of impeachment all too frequently. Indeed, we are living in what I think can aptly be described is the age of impeachment. In the House, resolution after resolution, month after month, has called for the president's impeachment. How did we get here? With presidential impeachment invoked frequently in its inherently destabilizing as well as acrimonious way. Briefly told, The story begins 42 years ago. In the wake of the long national nightmare of Watergate, Congress and President Jimmy Carter collaboratively ushered in a new chapter in America's constitutional history. Together, in full agreement, they enacted the Independent Council provisions of the Ethics in Government Act of 1978. But the new chapter was not simply the age of independent counsels. It became, unbeknownst to the American people, the age of impeachment. During my service in the Reagan administration as counselor and chief of Staff to Attorney General William French Smith, the Justice Department took the position that however well-intentioned the independent counsel provisions were unconstitutional. Why? In the view of the department, those provisions intruded into the rightful domain and prerogative of the executive branch of the presidency. The Justice Department's position was eventually rejected by the Supreme Court, but most importantly in helping us understand this new era in our country's history. Justice Antonin Scalia was in deep dissent. Among his stinging criticisms of that law, Justice Scalia wrote this. The context of this statute is acrid with the smell of threatened impeachment. Impeachment Justice Scalia echoed the criticism of the court in which I was serving at the time, the District of Columbia Circuit, which had actually struck down the law as unconstitutional. And a very impressive opinion by renowned Judge Lawrence Silberman. Why? Why would Justice Scalia refer to impeachment? This was a reform measure There would be no more Saturday night massacres, the firing of special prosecutor, as he was called, Archibald Cox, by President Nixon. Government would now be better, more honest, greater accountability, and the independent counsel would be protected. But the word impeachment haunts that dissenting opinion. And it's not hard to discover why. Because the statute by its terms expressly directed the independent counsel to become in effect an agent of the House of Representatives. And to what end? To report to the House of Representatives when a very low threshold of information was received that an impeachable offense left undefined may have been committed. To paraphrase President Clinton's very able counsel at the time, Bernie Nussbaum, this statute is a dagger aimed at the heart of the presidency. President Clinton nonetheless signed the reauthorized measure into law, and the nation then went through the long process known as Whitewater, resulting in the findings by the office which I led, the Office of Independent Counsel, in a written report to the House of Representatives. That referral to Congress was stipulated in the Ethics and Government Act of 1978. To put it mildly, Democrats were very upset about what had happened. They then joined Republicans across the aisle, who, for their part, had been outraged by an earlier independent counsel investigation. That of a very distinguished former judge
0: you know this is this is huge you know he's pretty much analyzing this for all of us to understand the differences and what has happened what is transpiring and how it's moving forward Uh, remember this guy um, was part of the independent council and for him to so uh, eloquently put this together and inform the public of what's going on is incredible though having said that you know the mainstream media is not airing this so the people aren't listening and no offense to the guy but he's kind of boring um, you know he's not dazzling like Schiff was so this is this is something uh, you know that I would have expected to have a little bit more pep uh, but I digress we'll see how this pans out and we'll talk about how President Trump is letting us know and letting them know I got my eyes on you buddy I'll see you in a bit So where are we at on this impeachment trial, guys? We're sitting there. They're defending. They're saying nice things. They're making points. But listen to the points. This is three and a half hours in. Listen. We're in circles.
4: Another thing that you've heard is that President Clinton voluntarily cooperated with the investigation that led to his impeachment, produced tens of thousands of documents. But that's not really accurate. That was only after long litigation again and again about assertions of privilege. He asserted numerous privileges. The House Judiciary Committee then explained, quote, during the lewinsky investigation, President Clinton abused his power through repeated frivolous assertions of executive privilege by at least five of his aides, end quote. Unlike the House in this case, Independent Counsel Starr first negotiated with the White House and then litigated those claims and got them resolved. Ultimately, the House managers argue that all of the problems with their obstruction theory should be brushed aside and the President's assertions of immunities and defenses have to be treated as something nefarious because, as Mr. Nadler put it, only guilty people try to hide the evidence. That's what he said last Tuesday night. And Mr. Schiff similarly said in discussing the assertion of the executive branch's constitutional rights that, quote, the innocent do not act this way, end quote. Really?
0: Really? Uh, Just because you're innocent doesn't mean they're not going to wrap you up in a bow, hog tie you and stick an apple in your mouth and then roast you. Are you kidding? Like, who says these things? Chef, if you're innocent, why don't you just fess up about the video? We found it at Buck's house which I wrote about months ago because he was raided by the FBI. Why don't you fess up and tell the people why you're fighting for your life, why all of you are, because that's what it's coming down to it. You don't like the winning. You don't like people going ahead moving ahead I mean listen to what he says listen to what he said on MSNBC this was this was insane listen I think at the end
8: I think at the end of the day it all boils down to this they're you know reading between the lines of their defense Uh, it's basically yeah he did it Uh, we know he did it the president knows he did it we just don't want the American people to see any more evidence that he did it Uh, and clearly that's what John Bolton represents uh, he would tell in a captivating way that you know, the public would watch uh, the most pernicious part of the president's scheme, the withholding of hundreds of millions of dollars, a military to aid to an ally at war uh, in order to coerce these sham investigations. They don't want the country to hear it. They just want to sweep it under the rug. They don't want to have a real trial. Uh, and, you know, thankfully, there are uh, senators of good conscience who are wrestling with this. Uh, and do want witnesses to come and recognize they don't want to be in the first impeachment trial in history with no witnesses and no documentary evidence. Uh, And the question is, will they prevail? Because if they don't, no one can call this a fair trial.
0: Really, Adam? Really? You can't call it a fair trial? Let me tell you what a fair fair trial looks like. Uh, The president is having a rally in New Jersey, right, guys? And I think it's important for us to kind of understand what, um, what is really going on here. Okay. Let me put it to you this way. Anxiety. What, what, what is anxiety? What do you guys think anxiety is? Is it when you're freaking out? It's a signal of your body. It's literally telling you it's time to pray. That's what it's telling you. If it's so huge that you're so anxious that you can't help yourself, that you're, you're biting your nails, you're freaking out. You know what? If it's that big to worry about it, it's big enough to pray about it, right? You got to pray. If it's on your mind, it's in God's heart. It totally is. So basically anything, anything that you might be anxious about in any situation You should pray because you shouldn't be anxious, uh, you know, in any situation in, in honesty. So what we should do is we should be taking our requests to God. Does this type of sham make you anxious? Are you concerned about tomorrow? Are you concerned about the state of your nation? Then just pray about it. If you're worried about uh, something that you need to do, either that is for work, right? If that's, uh, you know, how are you going to pay your taxes? How are you going to pay your bills? God knows all of us are going through that. What do I do? You know, you're anxious. (laughs) Guys, I think I've taken the queen title for that for the past couple weeks. Like for the past eight weeks, that's like my crown right now. So anxiety, what do we do? The only thing we could do is pray. We talk about it release it to God. Why? Because when you're anxious, when you're anticipating bad, you're creating it. This is how you create a reality. See, time is that of the perception that we have, uh, where you're at and how you see it. So that's time. Reality is also a collective perception too. So we all collectively perceive time the same, collectively perceive reality the same. So the more of you that decide that this is the end of the world, they're winning, we're losing, none of them are going to jail, pray about it. I I guarantee you, because that is basically all you have to do. Any decision you need to make, pray about it. Anything you're worried about, pray about it. is Is your kid going to a new school? Pray about it. Are they going to like the teachers? Will you like the teacher's new job? Will you like the job? You're going through training for work, like hazmat training. You're worried, maybe, right? Or anxious about it. Pray about it. If we understand, you know, uh, just if we just pray about it, I'm concerned that I don't like, you know, I won't like my neighbors. I'll pray about it. I'm concerned the train's going to be late. I'll pray about it. And you're going to be like, okay, Tori, I get it. We're going to pray about it because here's the one thing, anything you have to worry about, anything, either that be putting food on the table to, uh, you know, how you're going to file your taxes this year, how you're going to get through a divorce, get married, uh, visit your in-laws, whatever it may be, drive down this road so that you can take the cargo that you have. Pray about it. Praying is something we as humans have the ability to do. That is when our physical and spiritual realities connect. Because anything that is in your mind is literally in God's heart. And God is your creator. And we together are a collective. So the more we pray about it, the more we lift each other up and pray about it, the better it is. It's important. So prayer is important. And since... The president is going to New Jersey and we're all praying about that. I think it's important that we listen to a local New Jersey tune that I haven't heard for a while. And I think it's uh, pretty awesome. And I think all of you will like this too. Those of you driving out there, take a listen. jamming out to that. Seriously. I know a lot of you were. I was too, because let's be honest, we all are living on a prayer, right? The fact that the president was elected is because so many people came together and prayed. He is the praying president. They fear him. They fear him just for that. Because once you understand that prayer allows your spirit and mind to come together that's it. You've won. You have something they don't. Uh, the rally was announced that it's, um, that it's happening, right? And so many people were there 24 hours before. Listen to this clip from Abate Media. Take a listen. We are here in Wildwood, New Jersey. It's 40 degrees, it's freezing cold, but everyone here wants four more years. they are sleeping out overnight, camping out. They want four
1: more
2: years. Here we go!
0: Never had a food cart and was parked there it made tons of money I can't believe how many people were out there it is incredible they were out there lining up from last night in the cold take a listen to this report from NBC in Philadelphia the people lined up to try to get in later today President Trump's campaign event kicks off at 7 o'clock this evening everybody's got to have a ticket to get in but then beyond that
1: it's first come first served NBC 10 is on the ground as well. Folks have been lining up since Sunday afternoon. This, of course, is one of the smaller venues the president has visited. Only 7,000 can fit inside. Skyforce 10 is
0: live over the Wildwoods. So they know that only so many people can fit in. And they've lined up since Sunday. And the event is today. That's because. People want to see the president. They love this president. They love it. And, uh, you know, what he's been doing, okay, is exactly that. Reinforcing faith, reinforcing love. And that is the only way we can move forward. This is exactly what we, that's all we need is love and prayer you know pray for each other pray for the president pray for our pray for all these people you know uh, president trump is one of the best presidents we've ever had not only has he shaped the economy but he has uh, emboldened the people he is telling the people through his tweets Forget all the news agencies. You're the news. Social media is the way we're going. You are the news. Don't listen to what they say. You listen to your own ears. Why are we waiting for people to tell us? How many of them have started to scare us with this uh, coronavirus? Oh, my gosh, the coronavirus. All these people dying. Guys, Chinese media, the Chinese government literally told the president of the United States, we are under bio warfare attack. Your people need to leave to be safe. You know, and the media asked him, do Americans need to worry about the coronavirus? And President Trump said, no, I don't think so. Think about it. Why aren't we worried about it? Because why? Because why? Because we're not under attack. They're being attacked by who? You would have to think who, who is going to benefit from all these people running to get vaccinated. That's all you have to think about. So we're not worried about it. President Trump isn't worried about it. You shouldn't be worried about it because in the United States, we have never had a leader that takes so much control to protect the people and empower the people that is an effective leader. You know, in, in any job management, if your manager is the one that's like, get this done for me and doesn't sit there and work with you or lift you up or bring you up to his level a good manager is not someone that stands on top of everyone and points and says but that brings them up with them that says you're sitting on this platform with me i've been appointed to be like chief speaker but you are just as important as, as i am and this is exactly what the president has been telling the people and this is why They want to remove him. You can't tell people that they have power. I mean, wasn't that the point of creating the United States of America? That the people would have a say? I mean, this is what Thomas Paine's book was all about and why they wanted independence, right? And, you know, I listened to Rudy Giuliani's first podcast. I totally loved it. Um, It was short. It was sweet. I saw it on YouTube so I can look at him. I simply adore him. He put it in such an eloquent way. I mean, you know, for a living, he is a lawyer, right? But you have to think truth, truth is a perception of reality of what's true or false, right? So we can be equally manipulated just like reality. It can be manipulated. So if it's manipulated, it means that there's got to be something that can move it, right? You can't just change the way of a river. What moves it? Thought. What moves it? Support. Your consciousness and how you see things coming out through you is how it happens. And collectively as a whole, if we're all pessimistic, oh my God, all these people are not going to jail and no, no. There is so much... Happening under the covers that you cannot see yet. The only thing you see is them foaming at the mouth to try to remove this man, which means he is doing a lot more than what you see. Epstein, Epstein took them all down. Huh, you know, remember where 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 I where I said last week and this week? Oh, Justin Lee Maxwell's emails totally hacked. Chief Supreme Court Justice Roberts. Yeah, totally hacked. No, we have them. The good guys have it. And we're just like, yo, let's release a story from some random person that will circulate that says, hey, uh, there was a hack and we got this. And then someone in the mainstream media might have the cojones to do it because that's us saying, I see you. I got this, watch it. Because I got the insurance policies, you watch it. That's how it works. Truth can be manipulated by collective thought. So as long as the media is laughing at the situation, as long as the media is telling you how to think about it, right? And then you just go with it. Then it will be a so-called reality. And we've talked about this before, just like time. If you remember December, which was a very bad month for me as a person on a personal level, I did tell you January is going to totally fly by completely. Sometimes, you you know, you'd be like, well, you know, maybe we knew time would fly because so much is happening. Listen, it's January 28th and look how much has happened. We had supposedly World War 3, we had Davos, we had an ep- we have an epidemic, we've got people dead, we've got, you know, uh, them being embarrassed. It feels longer than a month and 28 days have gone by instantly cuz so much is happening at once. Time now for you is moving forward faster. Usually remember how it goes, I find that when I enjoy myself, time flies. Are you enjoying yourself? Of course you are. Why? Because all of this is happening. You're starting to see it. And what we need to do is ensure that we pray. That's all we need is prayer. You're scared? Pray. You're worried? Pray. You want something to happen? Pray. God knows that for the past four years, I have attracted the best people in my life. And I can tell you that it's probably just because of prayer. Uh, You know, I started to um, constantly just read the Bible. And, 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 you know, I've always been religious. And, And I say this with, you know... With utmost love, I was raised by a Greek church in New York, basically. So when I was a kid, that was my daycare center. The nuns used to spank me with ruler. I was such a bad kid, and the priests, which now one of them is a bishop, uh, you know, used to spank my hands with rulers and make me write the prayer in ancient Greek over and over again as a punishment. Um, they raised me, and. Uh, It's somewhere in our life that no matter how many times your parents take you to church or whatever, uh, you know, being in tune with our creator is something personal. It's something that we have to understand no matter who or what face your creator wears. You know that it's wonderful. You know, I say this and it sounds super freaky, but the first time I had the opportunity to shadow and, um, assist per se as a student in a surgery, it was a GI surgery. And guys, I think they thought I was the weirdest damn person in that room. So here it is patient on the table, abdomen exposed, and we're ready to take out the intestines. So uh, the attending, obviously, because I'm the old student, you know, in my my 30s uh, there, he's like, come here. I I need you to do suction and then hold retraction here. Guys, the minute I walked up to the body, the first thing I did, I literally stuck my finger in the intestines, right? Just stuck my index finger of my right hand in there. And it's like, I just, you know how when you like dip your toes into like warm water and you're like, oh, that feels so good. I put it in there and I could feel life. I know it sounds so weird. And I thought maybe they thought I was perverted. Maybe they just thought, um, yeah, suction isn't with your finger. Maybe they just why I was dumb. But for me, it was just seeing the magic of life. Just all of these cells because I see them on a molecular level. Because that, that's what my, my, my undergrad in the sciences, right? Because I've got other undergrads. But the one in the sciences... Was on, uh, you know, molecular and cellular biology. So when I look at things that are biological, I see them on a molecular level. And just to think that all these cells, millions of them, were working together so that they can pulsate and function blew my mind. And it blows my mind every day. And it's really hard for people to conceive it. I remember that when I was, um, and getting into uh, the, you know, into science because I was always languages, law, you know, uh, reading linguistics. Right, this was completely novel to me. I remember I couldn't wrap my head around chemistry for one reason, not not that I couldn't do it, but I was so fascinated with how the atoms work around, you know, how the electrons, the positrons, the neutrons, how they all just exist and work together in harmony and vibrate at the same frequency. And I'm thinking your body is a solid because it resonates on one frequency and that's the Tori frequency, the Mike frequency, the John frequency, the, the Regina frequency. All your frequencies are, are, are in tune for you. So this is... If your body is a solid and you are who you are because all the atoms that make you up, that, that make up the atoms that make up your cells, that make up the organ, that make you up all resonate on the same frequency. Imagine at that moment of prayer, that moment of prayer, where all of you, all these atoms of every single person that are collectively are all tuned into one frequency, how quick can you change the reality or the truth, right? So if we all tune into love, promoting freedom, promoting support for each other, it all comes together and everyone moves forward at the same speed, at the same frequency, with the same goals. That is how You know, the Bible translates to you to be kind to your neighbor. The person standing next to you, they don't have to live there. They just have to be next to you because you're all part of the same creator, which means we're all part of him, right? So after uh, this break, we're going to break down a little bit more on this, but we're also going to talk about Maria a Satanist priestess being promoted by Microsoft. And Epstein. I'll see y'all in a bit.
3: Real News.
0: All right. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So uh, this second hour, I want us to talk about a lot of things. Uh, one thing that I saw is that uh, President Trump actually uh, put out a uh, Middle Eastern plan. But before I do that, I wanted to say yesterday, totally random, right? So I went to the gym and I stopped off to get gas. Inside the gas station, there was a a sign outside the gas station saying homemade hummus, super famous, hummus, whatever. So I go to the back where they're selling like Middle Eastern type food and I see this guy and, you know, maybe he likes, you know, Curvy women, I don't know. But I was like, so tell me about this hummus. Like, where do you buy it from? Are you importing? He's like, no, my mom makes it. And I'm like, all right. And I saw like a beet hummus, like, you know, beetroot hummus. Oh my gosh. I've always tried to do that and it never tastes that good. But so it's awesome. So I I was going to get it. He's like, are you Middle Eastern? I was like, no. I was like, where are you from? He's like, I'm from Palestine. I said, well, you should be proud that we have a president like Trump who's trying to fix things. He's going to come up with a deal. He's like, well, do you know anything about Palestine? And I said, I've been there many times. And I have family that live on the Palestinian side, Um, you know, because they take care of the uh, Christian church in Bethlehem. And uh, also some of them reside in Eastern Jerusalem. He's like, yeah, well, you know, he's just going to give away Jerusalem. And I was like, no, the, the lines are going to be redrawn everywhere. I said to him, we're going to have a, a Kurdistan with borders and the president, this is a conversation I literally had last night. And, you know, he was like, well, my name's Mo, probably short for Muhammad. Right. And I was like, well, I'll see you around because... Man, that hummus! I'm gonna tell you what—I had a hunch it was gonna be good. When he said his mom was making it, I was like, "Yep, that's gonna be some really good hummus, right?" I make hummus myself. I make really good garlic hummus. But at playing with other flavors, you have to have a knack for it, and you have to take the time and patience to, you know, get the chickpeas and soak them and do the whole thing. And that's pretty old school. And uh, sometimes I don't—I don't fancy putting in that time. Let's just keep it real. And I'll get the pre-cooked ones or the ones that have been, you know, uh, soaked already that are in the can or in the jar because I'm lazy (laughs) because it does take forever. You have to soak them overnight and then you have to peel them Anyway, that's way too much detail. But the thing is, it's so crazy. I knew that the president was working on a Middle Eastern plan, but it just so happened that he did it on the day that I'm discussing it. Well, the day after that he presents it. And you know why? It's called synchronicity, right? And, um, and this is a really good example. It happens to me a lot, maybe because I time travel. Who knows? Uh, and it's memories. And, uh, you know, but for everyone to understand is sometimes when things are happening, it's because, you know, You're close to where the truth is. You're right on the truth. So you know the path it is taking. And that is basically how we vibrate and resonate as human beings, as spiritual human beings, right? Uh, Something that is really hard to understand. You know, how do you know what's real and what's not, you guys? It's because you know what's not real. But how do you know what's not real? By knowing what's real and who decides that you do. And not so much just you, but the collective reality. Like, why do people now suddenly say, well, you know, even though I have female parts, I'm totally a dude. And it's like, "Mm," so that's called gender dysphoria. But if you have a lot of people saying the same thing, suddenly it's more of a truth. Uh, We don't need borders, right? Um, And uh, wait, let me just say something on gender dysphoria. So that is a real thing that you know and 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 I'm just going to say there is scientific merit to why people feel like this scientific merit and it goes back to one specific thing the left eye and and it's not the eye so it's just I'm not talking about the black eyes but it's very relatable there is a um place that you can access through only the left eye which is like a ticking time bomb but it also gives merit to the amount of masculinity and femininity you have depending on the size of a specific chasm so it's where the two optic nerves merge it's called a super um, nuclei and right there the bigger it is the more feminine you are this is why you have the ability to multitask better than males no offense to my dudes out there um so it gives the more feminine and masculine qualities of the way you process information. So our, 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 our female and male counterparts uh, are not just our reproductive organs, but also the way we think. Women think different than men. Uh, have you ever heard, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, rage runs in a woman's veins, right? They're <laughs> just hot blooded and boiling, right? It all comes down to that. It's how you take input and put it in output. So that actually depicts it. Um, And this is why it's it was coined gender dysphoria because uh, the part of your body that processes emotions and input uh, was being processed in a more feminine way, even though your external parts were in a male way. So the inside wasn't really translating with what you could see or, you know, your upper half was different than your bottom half. I'm just saying things like that happen all the time. So there is scientific merit to it. I'm just saying. So, it, it is all about, so say you tap into that and you're like, all right, I feel more like a girl even though I'm a guy. Um, you know, you'd probably keep that to yourself, you know, embrace that feminine side. But then when more people start to say the same thing and everyone keeps telling you that this is the truth, that this is a fact, that mistakes happen in the womb, instead of embracing that difference, you want to change it. And that's where we have, you know, transgenderism too, Uh, because there's this collective now thought process where everyone's like, yep, you could just change your sex because we can. When those individuals that have that androgynous for the females and for the males, I would say, I, I don't know how you would say it. There's not actually, wow, there's not a Greek word for and you know the greek language is so rich i kid you not you guys that language has more words than any other language i've 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 studied and i'm not just saying this because my parents are greek but there are so many times that i want to say something and there is no word to define it like you know um philotimo that is a word that there's no def you can't translate that as one word in any other language so but To not have a word for it is really weird, where a male is more feminine. Well, you know, you would see, that's not a word. But anyway, androgynous means that you're a woman, but you're very masculine uh, as well. And that could be, you know, alpha alpha type uh, females that, you know, we claim or beta males for the ones that are more feminine, right? Okay. So now that they're telling us that it's okay and it's normal to rather than embrace the fact that you have the better of both, right? They're telling you that, you know, you're trapped. All this collective thought is making it mainstream. So we have all these changes, not only on gender, but different things. We have people thinking they're furniture, people thinking they're babies. You know, I've been trying to identify as a pensioner for a while. I totally love to be you know, getting my AARP and not having to work, but you know, it's not going to happen because facts, right? They won't give me, you know, my pension. (laughs) They won't. They said, you still have to wait, you know, 20 odd years. Um, so sorry, you're not having it, but this is what happens when we have this collective push. This is how the mainstream media, um, creates narratives this by producing and distributing information that they want you to think is the collective the socially accepted the widely known right this is how they push it to you and this is what they do and it's up to you to decide where your reality sits on 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 the needle you know where are you when it comes to reality Are you, I go with everyone else. Are you totally, I'm against the grain. You know, everyone says the sky's blue. I'm like, dude, it's purple. And it's like, I don't care what everybody says. And I'm fine in my own manufactured reality. And that is what we call insanity, right? When someone's okay in their manufactured reality. But on the other hand, what is the definition of insanity? Insanity or being insane or crazy, right? Is someone that doesn't go by the norms that we have set as a collective of society. So they're an outlier. So suddenly they're crazy. I mean, yeah. Okay. If you start saying I'm the embodiment of Napoleon or whatever, that's kind of odd, but it might work for your reality, you know, whatever, as long as you're not harming anyone, do it. You know, you might think you're a ninja or, you know, like you see the people on, you know, Americans got talent and stuff, you know, that really don't and they're tone deaf and they're just like, yeah, totally. I'm like super singer. And it's like, uh, maybe your ears can hear that as great. Ours don't collectively. So we're going to have to say no. Their reality is completely different. And you would say delusional, you would say this, but it's all about reality and perception and how much, uh, they need to vibe with others. And it's really important for people to be able to vibrate on the same frequencies, uh, because that is how you create, uh, a reality. You have to vibe on the same frequency, So collectively, right now, the planet is vibing on the same frequency of understanding that they aren't to be controlled and that they have this innate right from their creator to not be controlled. They are vibing on the fact that there should be competition, that we should stick to rigid foundations like family and, you know, hard work rather than forfeit all that and just exist. I mean, what kind of existence is it if the government is handing you over everything you need? How is that going to help you succeed or be someone, change, be better? It's not going to help you, is it? It's actually going to be worse for you because you're not going to be thinking of, uh, uh, how, how would I say, promoting... Um, ideologies or, um, I would say, uh, making something, leaving a footprint in the sand before you die. Are you really going to think about that if the government is handing everything over to you? No, you're not. You're really just not going to care. You're not going to care about putting in that, you know, um, elbow grease to get things done. You're really not going to care. You're going to say, I really don't care about, me working hard because in the end, uh, the government's going to give me everything I need and I don't need to work hard because the government is going to give me everything I require. And so at that point hmm, we lose focus, right? We lose want, we lose everything. We lose the will to live. I mean, what's the point of living if I'm going to hand it over to you? It's like a straight road. I tell you, follow the yellow brick road. If the yellow brick road was straight and you could see the end of it, you'd be slitting your wrists a mile in because you're just like, nothing's changing. I see the same landscape. I can't do this anymore. This is not good. I'm not liking this. Right? That's the way you're going to be. Um, how many of you have ridden? Have Well, I have a lot of people that drive. So I've uh, taken drives through the flatlands and through Montana. And I'll tell you what, like... If I'm driving straight and everything looks the same and flat and I could see just the road on the horizon straight, it totally gets me tired. Completely tired. I'm exhausted 30 minutes into it. And I'm like, somebody talk to me, stimulate me because I'm going to pass out right here. Even though it's in the middle of the day and I've just downed four Red Bulls, I'm going to pass out at the wheel because it's boring. I'm not stimulated. There's no curves. There's no turns. There's no excitement, you know, I mean, I'm not saying that I'd be praying for my tire to pop, but you know, that would have made it exciting. And that's the thing, twists and turns and changes. Change is needed in order for us to grow, right? That's what we need. Now, I want to play for you this change that some people are condemning, other people are embracing. Listen to what the president said about his Middle East plan. And how he's going to double the Palestinian territory and provide a Palestinian capital in Eastern Jerusalem, where America will proudly open up an embassy. We are going to have a Palestinian embassy. That's incredible. Take a listen.
5: So true. Yet I know they are ready to escape their tragic past and realize a great destiny. But we must break free of yesterday's failed approaches. This map will more than double the Palestinian territory and provide a Palestinian capital in Eastern Jerusalem, where America will proudly open an embassy. No Palestinians or Israelis will be uprooted from their homes. Israel will work closely with a wonderful person, a wonderful man, the King of Jordan, to ensure that the status quo of the Temple Mount is preserved and strong measures are taken to ensure that all Muslims who wish to visit peacefully and pray at the Al-Aqwa Mosque will be
0: able to do so. This is a major statement. Okay, let's just stop right there. Who did he say? Oh, was it the King of Jordan? Oh, you mean the one that Pelosi went to and asked to flip on the president, telling him, oh, don't worry, we're going to eradicate it, we're going to take out Israel, it's all going to be just the Muslims and the Palestinians and forget Trump, work with us, we got this. And he kicked her out, remember? Because this is a plan. This is where you promote harmony and you make sure that this is instated. He said he's, well, he didn't say it yet, but he's opening up an embassy in Palestine, recognizing it as a state.
5: And this is of major import, importance, and at the same time, our vision will deliver a massive commercial investment of $50 billion into the new Palestinian state. You have many, many countries that want to partake in this, and uh, many of them are surrounding. They all want this to happen. Virtually every one of them want this to happen, and I think, Bibi, you know that very well. You're going to have tremendous support.
0: Huh. So I wonder what Rashid is going to say. How dare he open up an embassy recognizing Palestine as an actual legitimate state, right? He was going to do this. Next it's Kurdistan. This is what what the discussions these are the problems that we're having in the Middle East because Iraq, Iran, Syria, they don't want to forfeit land and give it to the Kurds oh, and Turkey, because the majority of Turkey too, as Kurdistan, remember Turkey that slaughters them every now and then because they feel like it. So this is this is a very big deal, you guys. This was a big move by the president, and so you know uh, the the concern here that that. Um, people have are how are things going to move forward now if he's opening up an embassy and recognizing Palestine as an actual nation how can they say that he is not um, you know trying to make it better what other nation has tried that what other nation is said, alright listen you guys you guys are not gonna win on this whole whose land what land whatever you got to work together I'll recognize you guys as two different states but you really have to work together. This isn't going to work otherwise. If you're not playing nice between each other, it's not going to work. And so the, a song came to mind when I was thinking about Palestine and uh, you know Israel and the issues they have. Because remember, both of these uh, persons, the people from ancient times, just like the Kurds, are considered nomads. They would travel here, they would travel there, they would say, this is mine, this is not mine. They didn't really settle. So they've started settling as technology evolved, as we had industrial revolutions, and it was down to, how are we gonna solve this issue? It's it's always unsolved. We're never gonna solve this issue. We're always gonna fight. We're always going to do things. But you know what? It is at that time again. Here we go. We're a song because, you know, music and lyrics, especially if they're tastefully done, tell you exactly what they've been asking for.
3: Way to the dawn of the light, wind will blow into your face as the years pass you by. Hear this voice from deep inside, it's the call of your heart. Close your eyes, and you will find there's a doubt. Dog
0: Scorpions, right? I do. They're pretty awesome, and that song is pretty filled with steganography, isn't it? Because in the land of Morning Star, in the land of the Morning Star, or Morning Star, is that of hell, right? Um, and that is what exactly they're saying. We always ask for an angel. And that angel could just be the person next to you, could be your neighbor, could be someone that you're just talking with, a friend of yours, anything. And that is how it happens. That it's just so shocking, isn't it, you guys? Just completely shocking. People can help each other. And in that sense, you have to think, well, if all of this evil is happening, how do we stop it? By, by calling it by its name, right? And so the uh, perversions against freedom, right? Uh, the silencing of people, um, enslaving people, voluntarily, right? Taking away our rights is incredible. I had a conversation with a friend of mine the other day. Where, uh, you know, we were just talking and I was like, you know, nobody ever questioned years ago how in Belgium, again, we had one of those ironclad bomb proof, you know, passports of terrorists. Right. <laughs> Super bomb proof um, because they're always like that. Right. Since 9-11, I don't know, man, but these terrorists have passports. They can, you know, go through nuclear bombs if they needed to. Um, there was a bomb attack in Belgium. And the news reported how FBI face services helped identify them. And I said, look, nobody batted an eyelash. You're like, great, great for technology. Uh, no, that means it wasn't an FBI database. That means it was a global database going back to GSG, right? Global security group, right? That I've been talking about since I've, started to have my own show, but I've been talking about it from before. I wrote about... Um Next Generation Identification, uh, tons of articles on Big League Politics about that because our own states have uh, voluntarily, well, (laughs) without our permission, volunteered all our personal identifying information from your face to your fingerprints to, um, you know, your deeds, your rentals, whatever you do in the state, they've just given and it's on a database. You've got your own citizen log. It's like a Facebook, but for everybody. And Everyone keeps thinking, well, it's with the FBI and I have nothing to hide. Well, you should be concerned when your child goes to get their driver's license, uh, their permit at 14, 15, 16, depending on your state. And suddenly they're flagged as, you know, a terrorist or a murderer or something, because that happens. Mistakes happen all the time, right? It always happens. So... That's something to think about. It's not always, well, I have nothing to hide. Look, I can't get out of the database. I've been in there since I joined the military. So it's not like I'm going anywhere and and I'm fine with it. But it really does upset me that my child, when they go and they get their driver's license... Boom, they're on a. Fi- I mean, yeah, I can't complain about my eldest because she's in the military now. So obviously she's on file. The little one, though, that's not, which I probably, you know, I, I believe that she's going to be joining too. It's kind of like a family thing. Um, she She's going to be on file the minute she gets her permit. And it's like, is that really fair? Do we really want our children to be on, uh, you know, lineups on a global database? Because it's not a local one. It's not just the U.S. We have everybody's information, every single person's information. This is how we identify the people in Belgium, because they're all on one base. And that's Global Security Group, GSG, which we have so openly given them money again and again and again, and no one seems to bat an eyelash. But, you know, after uh, Millie Weaver actually did her report, and I've been talking about it for so long, where she put it together and explained how Brennan created it and whatnot, guys, the website's gone. They took it down. It's, It's a very big deal. Now, here's the thing. We know that the mainstream media and these corrupt, satanic, disgusting people that are globalists, right? And... I was going to talk about it today, but I'm not. Um, I'll probably talk about it on Friday, so that way I can allow it to percolate over the weekend for you. But this has been the plan. I've always been talking about that. How when if Hillary Clinton was president, there would have there would be no United States right now. I pointed it out on, in 2016 in my writings and my tweetings. Well, from my personal Twitter account that was banned because I believe that you know abortion is murder. Um, that. You know, Obama was out there openly in 2016 talking about the North American Union. And so these people are so high networked and linked together that they really don't care. If you know, they're just like, yeah, we're doing it. And what are you going to do about it? Absolutely nothing. Right, they laugh at your face. Prime report is exactly what happened on CNN when they were joking, and you saw Don Lemon, Don Lemon laughing when the NPR reporter says Pompeo cursed her and demands she find the Ukraine on a map after an interview. Man, she got the short and I love Pompeo. Period done now take a listen to what they were saying and how they were saying it
8: and obviously it's false and look he also knows deep in his heart that donald trump couldn't find ukraine on a map if you had the letter u and a picture of an actual physical crane next to it he knows that this is you know an an administration defined by ignorance of the world and so that's partly him playing to their base and playing to their audience uh you know the, the the credulous boomer rube demo that backs donald trump um, that, that wants to think that, that, that Donald Trump's a smart one in there. Oh, y'all, y'all, y'all elitists are dumb.
0: <laughs> y'all elitists are dumb. See, he even calls himself an elitist. That's where I want to stop. Forget the laughing. Don Lemon's there sitting there laughing. Don't forget brought to you by Don Lemon was the Jesse Smollett, you know, hoax because, you know, he tapped that at one point had Jussie on text was like, Oh, tell me. Oh, I was so devastated in the hospital. I was just like, Oh my God. Said Jesse Smollett. And, 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 and Don Lemon was like, I was so bad. He's like a really good friend of mine. Really good friend of his. Um, and in his weird way was like promoting it on CNN. And then he got him interviews, you know, Jesse Smiley hoax orchestrated by Mr. Lemon, you know, so they can pass that lynching bill that I talked about before it happened. Right. Remember? Because we were talking about the anti-lynching bill and I was like, what are they going to do? Find some dude that's dead, hang him and say somebody hung him. So, or, you know, lynching or whatever. Whoop. Boom. Like it was there. Cory Booker, Kamala Harris, they got their lynching, which was Jussie. And so they got it. And that was Don Lemon. So c- let's listen to how the president is stupid. You're all stupid. And these elitists are like, oh, they say you elitists are stupid. Yeah, you are. Because you're evil.
6: <laughs> you el- you elitists with your geography and your maps and your
0: spelling. <laughs> okay. I urge you to go to Loomer.com, where I wrote a whole article about CNN geography and how they placed Athens, Greece in Western Africa, how they had the Ukraine somewhere in in Africa as well, uh, how they their maps are all over the place. Remember how they swapped Mississippi and, and, and Alabama? Yeah. So they're laughing. Don Lemon's crying. He should, because hopefully he'll be fired soon.
6: Even though my your math po- and it- you're reading, yeah, you're reading, you know, your geography, knowing other countries, sipping your latte, all those lines on the map. <laughs> <laughs> Only the Melitis know where Ukraine is. Sorry, I apologize. Is but by, the, but by the oh my god, <laughs> but, but, but you know what? But, <laughs>
0: Here are the same idiots that promoted Michael Avenatti, who think Joe Biden's actually a candidate, and say, oh, you know, Satanist stuff, sacrificing kids, no big deal, right? Oh, yeah, this was a hoax, but we're just going to suck it up and not say a word about it. When you have egg on your face, Don Lemon, Mr. I hate black people. I married a white guy, but, you know, every now and then I'll tap someone.
6: But it was Rick's fault. I blame Rick. Oh but, you, but, but in all honesty, but all,
8: you know what Rick NPR should why do? Why not? Sorry, hold
0: on. You, wait, wait, wait. Can yeah, I tell give you me what, a
5: second? You know, hold on, hold on, hold on. Sorry. <laughs> that was good. Sorry. Rick,
4: you, you, that you, was a good one. I needed that. Okay, so listen. Can, let's can get back what, to business
6: here.
0: Uh, get back to business? What kind of business? Show business? Lying business? Let's pretend business? It's going to all go down. So one thing I noticed is, you know, Gates obviously pushing this um, vaccine, but the most important one is how... Um Microsoft has created something called like mixed reality goggles. And basically you kind of like use both, um, reality that you can touch and virtual reality to expand on artistic expression and to express yourself. And I think this is more of the such of, you know, having cyber sex via distance through like stuff. Um, this is like the type I would say of tech. So it makes more sense to people. So, um, Microsoft uh well Christie's oh oh, wait before I say anything um I have just put myself a reminder uh when I saw this article in the observer I have just put um a reminder we are going to talk about art and these auction houses these are very very important and this goes to Dershowitz okay this goes to Epstein okay this is going to be, you You want to talk books for money laundering? Wait till we get to that. Um, I have been working on that because like I told you, I want to get um, some articles up. I've been writing, but I haven't published them. I want to revamp Tori Says for 2020. So I'm working on the website. Um, obviously, I'll be cross-publishing to other places too. Um, but this, this, I want you guys, I'll probably reference this portion of the episode in the article. So... Christie said that um, they, um, that Marina Abramovich um, has started to uh, push mixed reality artwork. And she's going to be exhibited around the world, and they've partnered with Microsoft. And so this is Christie's, you know, Christie's is, uh, well, a very well reputed, uh, you know, auction house, um, that's where you get all your nice, you know, Monets, et cetera. Um, but she's created something called the life and she'll be using the Microsoft HoloLens, um, headset. And this is starting on February 10th in LA, and the studio is um, called Tin Drum. Um, I'm definitely going to have... Well, we're going to try to have someone there uh, to take pictures and um, see it. But she debuted this exhibition in, get this, the Serpentine Gallery. How fitting. Last February. Um, it's pretty incredible because she's going to be pushing this. And the life is a 19 minute recorded performance of her. Remember, she's the one that did the whole, uh, spur milk, urine, blood in a corner on children, stuff like that, you know? So in this one, she is where she looks like the woman, like the red witch from Game of Thrones, only, you know, she's got her black hair and red dress. And people will be wearing these goggles to like get into the whole vibe. So when um, the, when people are wearing this headset uh, they're going to be um, looking where they're supposed to be looking and it's going to look like she just came out of nowhere and they're going to be seeing it come to life. So it's mixed reality. And what's different from other things is that, um, from what I gathered from other sources, not just the observer, is that... um, it makes everything very realistic. So a lot of people probably own virtual headsets. I I have like, you know, those that you put on your face and you put your phone and you watch something or you play that game where you're walking and you fall. I've tried the whole scary one too. Not so scary. Um, except when you're trying to run away and you're just like, dude, I'm running and it's like, I can't run away. Um, but um, This one is going to be very realistic. And this is... This is horrible because I, I want to know what exactly it is that um, she's going to be showing with the life. Um, ugh, I'm sorry. It just gave me the chills. And the fact that Microsoft is uh, promoting this um, for art and to, you know, get people to transcend boundaries and apl- amplify their societal impact is crazy. Cause this, th- this is where I have a problem with it. This is how you allow carnal things to manifest. Um. It was like that time where Stormy Daniels was at this party of Keith Rainier, right, from Nixium, And they had like video playing on the walls at the party of children in snuff sex films. And so people were watching that in the background, like it was playing everywhere. So imagine if these things are pretty much... Put together in a mixed reality thing where you think you're actually partaking in this. This can actually tap in and set off people that have those underlying that underlying programming. And so for that reason, you know this is terrifying. Just to think that this is being promoted by Microsoft, non- nonetheless, um, which has been awarded some contracts within the government. Though, you know, I, again, all we have to do is pray and hope uh, that um, this is not stymied, but more so not that it doesn't move forward too much. That That's all I can say. God help us on that one. Now, as we come to the end of this week and with President Trump's uh, um, you know, state of the union that he's supposed to give out in Congress. Right. I have to think if I was president Trump, I'd be really pissed right now because I can't go to the state of the union with this hanging over my head. And I've got people that are Republicans that are going to vote for, um, witnesses. So yesterday, aside from Romney that we know is going to vote for it, the other three senators that he knows will vote for it. Um, he let them know he'll vote for it. And I'll tell you why this was him telling them. So, uh, A couple days ago, Senator Kramer of North Dakota announced that he discussed with the president to bring North Dakota State University to the White House, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So he has um, he put that down. He said, you know, um, this is great. He tweeted about it. And yesterday, out of the blue, three senators, right, were retweeted for random things. And these were the three senators that are going to be the four, which would include Romney, that would vote For witnesses now lindsey graham won't lindsey graham's a little bit smarter he feels like he's going to be maintained to be safe okay and how it's going to work better so i'm going to tell you who these senators are once wow our president has been uber busy today tweeting right (laughs) so one of them is senator hoven and, and this is why I brought up uh, Senator uh, Kramer, because Senator Kramer talked about it, yet for some reason he retweeted Ho- Hoven. Um, talking about it too. So Senator Hoven tweeted out, looking forward to honoring NDSU football at the White House again this year. The Bison had tremendous season winning their eighth FSC champion FCS championship in an undefeated season. We've already been in touch with the White House and NDSU about honoring them in our nation's capital. Now, the day before that tweet, Kramer already talked about it, saying he already spoke with the president. So the president retweeted him. That's number one. Right. Number two is Barrasso, Senator John Barrasso. And he retweeted, the House could have called all these witnesses and chose not to. As senators, we have responsibility to not allow this to become a circus. That's what the Democrats are trying to do. Now listen to this.
5: About everything that's out there before deciding how to vote.
7: As a senator, we have a responsibility when you look to the Constitution
5: to not allow this to become a circus, which is what the Democrats are trying to do but to judge the case that is brought to us. You read the Federalist Papers,
8: see what the Founders had to say. The responsibility of the Senate is to judge the
6: case brought to us by the House, and it is a weak case, it is a flimsy case, it is a case that they said had to be made immediately, but yet they held for 33 days in
5: another political stunt. So my job is to view, is to look at, view what the House has sent us, and make a decision based on that.
0: Okay, so that's exactly what we've been saying. That's what we have to do, right? That is what we have to do to win. But here is how he tells him, see, this is the guy you want to listen to, Josh Halley. So he said, I say again, if the Senate is going to call witnesses, then I will ask to hear from Adam Schiff, Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, and the whistleblower at a minimum. He retweeted him because he's telling him, I see you, I see you, I see you leaning, I see you leaning. So he put out, this is what we should do you know trial this on merit of what they gave us if congress had enough to pass articles of impeachment then they shouldn't need any more witnesses they shouldn't need any more documents that's it you're done but then we have you know um we have blunt we have um hallie and we have hoven that were retweeted and put forward because what they want witnesses. Hovind said it himself. Yeah, oh, So we're going to go into this and we're going to have the speeches and stuff. And then uh, then we're going to have witnesses. And then he like looked at himself. I mean, we're going to vote to see if we're going to have witnesses. Uh-huh. We caught you already. You're done. Finished. Over. You're gone. And the thing is, is that this was all part of the plan. This is how you remove people from... Office. This is how the people see who is really for the people and who is really for themselves. That's how you fix it by doing it just like that. And by showing and promoting these senators and representatives that literally stand up for the people so that people are empowered. Here is Congresswoman Elise Stefanik. Look how she took down this reporter. She like butted in and said, no, stop. You're not answering this. I am. Take a listen to her
1: defense high this security assistance to pressure ukraine to investigate but that's okay he did not because the aid was released to ukraine and there was no investigation but and the bold- president the president has said that he did not tie there was no conditionality gordon sondland in fact testified and we saw that played out as the president's defense team made the case that it was presumption assumption and guesswork so the facts of this case remain the same in that we have more security assistance for ukraine much more than during the obama administration and there was in fact no investigation into the Bidens. But so and well, the administration, the, the, the administration... Like,
5: have to lose? But what you, this is, it, is, it, is Adam, 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 Adam Schiff's choice. Adam
1: Schiff. Adam Schiff is clearly scared that his case is so weak. Adam Schiff made the decision to withdraw the subpoena. This is an, an unfair, unconstitutional, and half-baked uh, set of impeachment articles that was sent over to the Senate. I'm just going
0: to say, she like pushed the dude over and she's like, I'm answering this question. That's the type of people we need to see. People that are fighting for the people and that's it. And, you know, that is what we need to be seeing more of. That we have people standing up and speaking the truth. Standing up and saying enough. This isn't, this isn't happening. Enough. But Cruz. Cruz. Why is it? Okay. So Cruz. Senator Cruz says, why should the American people care about Hunter Biden and Burisma? And the answer is simple. there is significant evidence of corruption. Watch Pam Bondi break down the Burisma Biden. OK, it's not just the Bidens, you guys. And I don't like this bottlenecking. Why are not we talking about Paul Pelosi? Why aren't we talking about Heinz? Why aren't we talking about TAG? Why are we talking about them? I guess we want to bottleneck it. You know, again, discrepancy. Remember how they released the video? Oh, he said, fire her. Yeah, he said that in 2018. Biden didn't run until April 25th, 2019. So you're saying he knows the future too? So he like did it preemptively as a time traveler to start the process on the Ukraine because he knew Biden was gonna throw his hat in the race a year and some days later? Maybe. (laughs) Listen to what Pam Bundy said. That... By the way, they didn't air.
9: Typical board member of these Fortune 100 companies, we know they're titans of their industry, they're highly qualified, and as such, they're well compensated. Even so, Hunter Biden was paid significantly more. This is how well he was compensated. So Hunter Biden is paid over $83,000 a month, while the average American family of four during that time each year made less than $54,000. And that's according to U.S. Census Bureau during that time. And this is what's been reported about his work on the board. The Washington Post said, quote, what specific duties Hunter Biden carried out for Burisma are not fully known, end quote. The New Yorker reported. Quote, once or twice a year, he attended Burisma board meetings and energy forums that took place in Europe, end quote. When speaking with ABC News about his qualifications to be on Burisma's board, Hunter Biden didn't point to any of the usual qualifications of a board member. Hunter Biden had no experience in natural gas, no experience in the energy sector, no experience with Ukrainian regulatory affairs, far as we know he doesn't speak Ukrainian so naturally the media has asked questions about his board membership why was Hunter Biden on this board if your last name wasn't Biden do you think he would have been asked to be on the board of Burisma I don't know I don't know probably not
0: yeah definitely not and remember he's now in a custody battle saying he doesn't not custody child support Court, right? Where he's claiming he doesn't have money, but he turned up with his baby mama to the Waldorf Astoria for lunch. Well, she looked really tacky, by the way, with a Carrera, a brand new Porsche. Was it a Carrera? I don't know. But it was one of those new Porsches. Gosh darn it. I forgot the model name. It's not a Carrera. Or is it? Nope. I don't think it is. Brand new Porsche, right? Driving up to the Waldorf to have lunch because he's super broke, you know, and that's, what bro- that's where broke people go and that's how they roll. They roll with, you know, <laughs> with Porsches. That's basically what happens, right? They roll with Porsches. That's how it happens, period. No questions asked, right, you guys? Here's the thing. We've got Palestine being taken care of today, right? Do you know that just um, last year, a couple days uh about a week ago last year that the Hamas co-founder actually died by shooting himself in the face. Do you guys remember that? He actually helped find the Gaza-based Palestinian group in the mid-1980s. All right? And um, he shot himself in the face supposedly when he was cleaning his weapon. Why do I say this? It's really important on the timing. Right. It's really important on the timing where we have this and how things are moving forward and where they're going. I don't think we realize just how far we've gone. You know, now we're all awake. We're starting to see this shift in the narrative, right? We saw it with the Mueller report that was false. Uh, We saw how things were being done. Uh, You know, this is how. This is how they delayed things. This is how they started to build. They wanted to get dirt in order to go for impeachment through Mueller, but they couldn't find anything. They were walking a really tight, fine line. And, you know, that's what, um, you know, we need to look at. I mean, we have to ask Schiff, why isn't he releasing the IG report, for example? It's kind of like the same way as uh, Rod Rosenstein asking, you know, Ryan to block the FISA memo. So they're all trying to cover for each other. There's seven people, well, there's three senators right now, right? And two Obama officials that are in a lot of trouble, a lot of trouble. So who is it that has really high clearance? Three of them are in the Senate. And then we have two Obama officials still sitting pretty. It's not like I'm going to point fingers and say Mark Straw, but they're there and they're and they're having problems. Like, have you guys heard from Maxine Waters lately? Where is she at? Where is she at? I don't know. Her mansion may be having some issues right now. I'm just saying her mansion may be having some issues right now. This is why you're not hearing from her. On January 31st, I expect, I expect the DOD to come out with something huge. This is where we break free from the chains of the Democrats. I expect something huge to come through. Huge. Because the whole thing that we have to think about is does the president of the United States want to go to the state of the union with this hang over his head? I say no. Does he? Hmm. Does he? No, he doesn't. So this will be chalked out because I know that my president wants to go in front of Congress to deliver the State of the Union with no egg on his face and ready to say, you tried it, you lost, let's move forward. This is what I expect on Friday. I expect it because my president needs to be able to go there shoulders back, head high and looking at them like you should be ashamed of yourself. And I guarantee you, we will have the standing offishness of we're losers and we're upset. This is totally not fair. We might not show up or Nancy Pelosi canceling it. (laughs) Um, That's another uh, timeline that may spur out. So, I, the probability now is at 62% of this being tossed out on Friday. And this is only because he, when he knows that you're on the wrong side, he'll let you know he knows so that you can auto correct yourself. Cause if you don't auto correct yourself, you're going to get hurt. You're going to be in that line of fire with all of them. So we have to be clear. These are enemy combatants. What we're seeing, right? Right is a prelude to all the tribunals that are coming down. And we're going to see a lot of stuff coming out of Newport Beach very, very soon. On that note, I want to wish you guys a fabulous evening. God bless all of you from everyone here at Red State Talk Radio. And I will see you here tomorrow, same time, same place. And let's see. Will Friday be the day that our president is done? Who knows?